This shows us that we have more work to do, that our work in language advocacy just never stops. And I think we need to find new ways of how we can articulate, especially to administrators who may not readily see the value and the impact of what learning about a new language, learning a new language, learning about a different culture, what that really does for the learner. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Sam and Angelica revisit what they did last summer. But mostly, they look ahead to trends and current events in language learning and some of the topics in store for the coming season of the podcast. Sam, we're back. Season 12 of Speaking of Language. Hooray! Uh, This is also the fifth episode in our last summer series, if you're keeping track at home. (laughs) We already weren't sure last fall how far we could stretch this, but if there's one thing I know how to do, it is beat a joke into the ground. So here we are. (laughs) I like it. And what we want to do in our season opener here is recap some of the things that happened in the world of languages this summer and also looking ahead at what we are up to this fall. All right. So do you do you have some good fun summer stories? From oh, the summer? I sure do. Oh, okay. so so many that are probably not really relevant for our podcast, but Fair something enough. that is relevant and from the world of world languages. Um, we had a wonderful IELTS conference this summer in New Orleans. It was hot and sticky. Um, but IELTS is the International Association for Language Learning Technology, and that was actually my presidential year. Woohoo! All right. I'm, I'm glad to be officially past president of that association now. Um, but it was a wonderful gathering of colleagues who are interested in the intersection of languages and all things technology. Um, we had lots of people there giving many fascinating presentations. And of course, one thing that came up regularly was artificial intelligence and chat GPT. Ah, yes, which was a, a recurring topic on our podcast last academic year. Exactly, yeah. And I think this will be something that will continue to be on the forefront of of everybody's mind, not only language educators, but one thing that we talked about a lot, and and these are conversations that are going on on campus um, here in general as well, is, is it good? Is it bad? What are we doing with this? How are we dealing with it? And I think the language community, and we've kind of hinted at that in our last season as well, I think we are going to see this as an affordance. Mm -hmm. I think this is here to stay. I think this is only becoming more and more evolved. Um, Students certainly are using ChatGPT. And I think we need to learn how to live with it, just like we did when Wikipedia came about. Yep. um, When Google Translate came about. Of course. I mean, think about math and the calculator. Um, And I think if we figure out ways how ChatGPT um, can make our lives easier in terms of lesson planning, in terms of our students having more opportunities to practice the target language. Um, if they're maybe, you know, a little bit on the shyer end, they can have conversations with a chatbot. So I, I do think there are lots of 
good things that can come out of it. And we just have to be mindful of how we assign tasks and yeah. assessments in our language classrooms yes. to make sure that students simply cannot just use artificial intelligence to do their work for them. Yes. Well, and we've I I'm I'm not an educator myself, so I I am careful not to make sweeping statements about how people's pedagogy should function. Yeah. Um but you know, we've talked a lot about this here on the podcast and you know, I've I've read up on this in my own you know, outside mm -hmm. life and I think it's easy for us no matter what you do to get into this mode of thinking where the focus is on how do I keep this technology, this mm -hmm. new tool yeah. from interfering with how I evaluate yeah. students. How do I keep this challenging and don't make it so mm -hmm. easy? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's when it benefits us to take a step back and think about, well, the, the point of language education or any kind of education isn't to weed out the weak from the strong or to make things yeah. as hard as possible. It's how do we learn to communicate effectively? Yep. Um, so I think, yeah, coming at this with a, a mindset of how do we integrate it? How do we help prepare students for a world in which this exists, it, it, even when we don't entirely know mm -hmm. the role it will take yeah. moving forward, yep. Yep. is... Uh, maybe more helpful than worrying about the the doomsday mm -hmm, element mm -hmm. of it yep. uh, though I certainly understand that as well <laughs> that's so that's that's my two cents on that yeah no i like it i like it and this is certainly going to surface in our season um this time around as well mm -hmm. we already have a few guests lined up where we will be segueing into some ai things and Artificial, yeah. Well, yeah. and I'm I'm happy that uh, some of the conversations that we already have in store for you have brought up AI rather than as a central point as a uh, a cog in a larger machine mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. new learning tools mm -hmm. and practices. Yeah, so exactly. I'm I, I'm excited to share those with our listeners. Yeah. So that was something that we would rank on the more happy and positive side that happened this summer. Uh huh. However, yeah, since I was the one who who used the word doomsday, I guess I can <laughs> bring up this article that I'm looking at right now um, about uh, West Virginia University. Um, and I'll just read this this segment here uh, that West Virginia University is proposing eliminating nine percent of the majors and seven percent of the full time faculty members at its flagship campus, including the entirety of the Department of World Languages, Literatures and Linguistics. Uh, yeah. Language programs have certainly faced you know, universal pushes towards cuts in my lifetime yeah. and before. Uh, but this is, for a, a university of this size, this is pretty extreme. And, yep. and um, so <laughs> what's your reaction when you hear something like that? Oh, it's it's devastating. And, and basically every um, association in the United States that is related to um, supporting language learning and teaching um, has come up with statements, you know, um, condemning this this crazy program elimination. Um, there are petitions that we urge all of our listeners to sign, and we will make sure to have those links in our show notes. Yes. 
Um, this is definitely something that we that we need to fight against. I think this shows us that we have more work to do, that our work in language advocacy just never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need to find new ways of how we can articulate, especially to administrators who may not readily see the value and the impact of what learning about a new language, learning a new language, learning about a different culture, what that really does for the learner. And I think if we can continue the good work that that everybody in the field of world language education in this country is doing, if we can keep going, pushing ahead um, and being more vocal and sharing more of our stories and, and compelling stories and unfortunately probably also hard numbers because that's what administrators oftentimes look at when they make decisions. Um, but if we can rally the troops and just help fight program eliminations like this, um, hopefully we will be successful and actually grow language learning and teaching in the United States rather than cut programs. That was very well said. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I. Uh, it makes me so sad whenever, again, this is, in this field, that kind of advocacy is always part of the discussion. Yeah. Right? They're always fighting yeah. for why this is valuable. But um, when it's up against such an extreme push, I think, again, it's, it's uh, how, yeah, uh, the, the question we have to ask ourselves is how to communicate mm-hmm. the value yep, exactly uh, how do you get yep. past uh, against a way of thinking that is so uh sort of boxed in mm-hmm. about what mm-hmm. what value yep. means and yep. and what is what is the context of those mm-hmm. hard numbers mm-hmm. um, and that can be a tough fight when people aren't accustomed to looking more broadly at, yeah. at the at the context of, of um what language and culture means yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. how it impacts the lives of everyone mm-hmm. um that's a, a really broad way of, of of me commenting on that but um just trying to tie it yeah. back to what we what we were just saying about artificial intelligence and uh how do you make sure you're prepared to mm-hmm. exist in w- the world that's mm-hmm. coming <laughs> well and you know language classes cannot simply be replaced by having our students work with online apps for learning languages. Language is about communication. Yeah. You need you need ways to apply that to talk to somebody else to you know communicate via letter writing or or whatever the means may be of communication. But simply telling students to fulfill like some kind of a language requirement by spending time on an app that yeah. is certainly no replacement for what happens in the actual language curriculum. No. And I and I think we're also we're coming out of a time where we've all been made mm, a little more true. aware of the how dangerously and frighteningly isolating yep. this world can be. Um and I think yeah, it really is is in everyone's best interest to maintain mm-hmm. that interpersonal mm-hmm, connection exactly. because yep. that's how you know that's that's how we make the world better yep, that's absolutely. <laughs> no you're right sam can't agree more well and of course we don't want to um 
end on a downer here. Of course So uh, I think something to celebrate that happened at the very tail end of last spring, um, but that we didn't have quite enough time to get into our previous season. Um, at Cornell, every year, there is the Sophie Washburn French Instructorship, which recognizes excellence in language instruction among language lecturers in our college here. And we would like to celebrate and give a shout out to the two lecturers who received this honor um, this past spring, early summer for the year of 2022-2023. And the shout out goes to, drumroll please. Very nice, Sam, very nice. Our colleagues, Tess Savela in Asian Studies. Tess teaches Tagalog. And one of our colleagues from Near Eastern Studies uh, who teaches modern Hebrew, among other things, Shalom Shur. Hooray! Congratulations to both of you for your excellent work supporting language learning and teaching on our campus. Yes, uh, we so appreciate what you do for our students and for all of us. So, uh, coming up the rest of this fall semester, we have a number of very exciting guests and some really interesting topics like psycholinguistic approaches to instructed second language acquisition. Uh, we've got another conversation about corpora and data in the language classroom, language learners' participation in other cultures. We'll be talking about reverse design and its role in curricular and programmatic articulation. And... On a perhaps less technical-sounding note, you'll get to meet our newest LRC team member, Hillary Yarger, uh, who is a delight, and Indeed. we're very excited for you yes. to, to get to know Hillary. Uh, and next week, we will speak with Dr. Americo Mendoza-Mori from Harvard, recapping his talk as part of our monthly LRC speaker series on language revitalization, cultural reclamation, and global indigeneity. Until then. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold, hold on, Sam. We're not quite ready yet. Oh, okay. Sorry. We, I we, got carried away. I know. I know. You were on a roll here. No, no, no. We forgot our words. Oh, yes. What's our What's our prompt this this uh, season? So what's a word in a language you speak, love, are learning, want to learn that does not exist in English, but that you wish it did? Ooh. What is that word for you? Okay, uh, I, I thought of one for today. Uh, this is an Italian word because uh, Italy was the first country I went to outside of the United States huh. uh, since the pandemic. So mm -hmm. I thought I'd dig up some of my college Italian, which is nothing to write home about. Uh, <laughs> but the word I chose was abiocco, mm -hmm. which the closest uh, English term for it would be food coma. Oh, nice. But I think... The food coma is more more descriptive of something that happens to you as a consequence, whereas I think abiyoko is a little bit more a, a pleasant state that you are mm. in after a large okay. and satisfying meal. And I just I think it's got a little a little twist uh, that's that's more evocative than the two word term in English. I like it. Now I want pizza and pasta. So let it be. It is. Currently 8.57 a.m., but <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> it's never stopped me. How about you, Angelica? What's your word? Well, of course, it needs to be a German word because the German language is great for words like that. Mm -hmm. um, my word is, um, I mean, yours is very loving, positive, you know, something something good. <laughs> of course, here I am, the grumpy German. Um, my word is verschlimbessern 
which means to make something worse by trying to improve it. Ah, you mean like uh, like trying to save money by cutting all your language programs? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, you got that right. Okay. <laughs> are there are there any other examples you might use? <laughs> Oh, there are so many. Absolutely. I mean, think about, like, you have a bad haircut and you try to make it better by cutting it yourself and you just end up looking like a complete mess. Not Fair that enough. that has happened ever in my life. But <laughs> no, hey, no, 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 never. <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are. Well, so much to look forward to. Thank you for tuning in for uh, another fun and informal opening <laughs> to our season. Uh, we'll be back next week with an expert to talk to. Uh, but until then, Auf Wiederhören. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners and do stay tuned for our next episode.